0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part three on our coronary artery evaluation. And let's take a look at another case. Patient, 44-year-old, with a typical chest pain. Cardiac CT was ordered, and here's the images. And you look and you say, okay, we're looking at the left main to LAD. And we're going to focus on the LAD. What is the LAD's pathway? You can see it very nicely on the 3D imaging and with the MIP and with the volume rendering and what are you really dealing with? So I've given you a few choices an L.A.D. stenosis, non-critical stenosis, bridging, and spasm. And when you look carefully what you can see is the L.A.D. is within the myocardium. Beautifully shown with the MIP imaging and the volume rendering and this is classic for myocardial bridging which is defined as an epicardial segment of a coronary artery that courses through the myocardium. It's congenital. It's considered a non-atherosclerotic anatomic abnormality. You have muscle, the myocardium overlying a segment of the coronary artery. There's always been an argument, is this important or is this not important? it occurs in a couple percent of angiographic studies most commonly in the left coronary artery particularly the LAD mid-segment it can result in some symptoms though this is always argued about we talk about deep bridging 2.3 centimeters 2.3 millimeters or more myocardial coverage again mid-segment most common we see it more commonly on coronary cta than on cath studies, but the issue is what does it mean? Is this just a normal variation, or does it mean something bad? Nakura, this article, proximal segment of coronary artery to a myocardial bridge is frequently involved in atherosclerosis, although the tunnel segment is spared. Myocardial bridging in the mid-LAD is an independent risk factor for coronary atherosclerosis in the proximal LAD. So what he's saying is when you see that bridge nicely shown in the schematic drawing, it's the artery proximal to the bridge that has problems. In terms of bridging, this article suggested 3.5%. That was an old article. Um... In this article, they also spoke about the various depth. Jill Jacobs wrote a more recent article, and the prevalence of bridging was about 10.4%, average length 23 millimeters, depth 2.6. When you talk about coronary artery uh, anomalies, it's considered anomalies, of course. Again, the importance is still debated. I mentioned the cura. Leak, atherosclerosis preferentially develops proximal to the bridge segment, perhaps due to sheer stress, while the compressed segment is often spared. While frequently asymptomatic, this condition may result in complications, including angina, ischemia, acute coronary syndromes, and the like. This article by Yusatala just most recently, bridging is common on CTA, Bridging is not associated with reduced perfusion, atherosclerosis is located predominantly proximal to the bridge, but it's similar to other areas in the patient's coronary artery. So there still is some debate as to its significance, but it's something that's not uncommon to see. Okay, another case. Patient history of IV drug abuse, history of HIV, chest pain, what's going on? Well, first thing you're thinking about is a vasculitis. You're thinking about some coronary stenosis. But let's look at the vessels and you say, okay, I see the LAD, but what's that vessel also coming from the right coronary artery? And let's look at it again. Look at that vessel coming from right to left on the 3D maps, nicely shown. And let's look at things in real time. Let's look at the videos. And now let's follow in 3D and in 4D, the patient's vessel coming off the right coronary. The right coronary typically has a vessel going forward but it goes into the right side of the heart. This one's coming all the way to the left over the tip of the left ventricle. So now it looks to me like you have two vessels that feed the apex of the heart. You have two left coronary arteries and so when you look at the question, what is going on here, the best question or the best answer is dual left anterior descending coronary arteries. You have two coronary arteries going to the apex of the heart. When you talk about left anterior descending coronary anomalies, there's four variations with differentiation based on both the short course and the long course of the LAD. The majority of cases had both vessels arising from the LAD while occasionally the long course of the LAD was from the eye coronary which is the case here. Beautiful example of the left coronary coming off the right. And here you can see it again. I showed you this a moment ago, but let's look at it quickly. You can see very nicely as we scroll through it, the patient's right coronary coming from right to left over the apex of the heart. Just a beautiful example. And then we can look at it in schematic, and you can see there's four types. And type 4 origin from LAD proper terminates high in interventricular septum. Uh, long course, so we're at number 4. Article by Agrawal. It's important for CT interpreters to be aware and recognize dual LAD. Because of inability to visualize the additional vessel, especially when the long LAD originates from the right side, like here, the variant anatomic features can be misinterpreted at routine cath for mirrored LAD occlusion because you have a short vessel so you need to be very, very careful in looking at that. Now here's another case. Here you can see LAD plaque and you see also the LAD coming off the right coronary. So again there are so many different anomalies present but this is just a beautiful example of showing you also the value of 3D but also the value of thinking about those variations. Okay. There's a few things that kind of go beyond the coronaries, but you're going to see on coronary artery studies. Patient had chest pain, we're doing a coronary CTA. What's the best diagnosis? Well, the key thing I'm showing you here is look at the left atrium and atrial appendage. Now, you can see a filling defect, but you see a flat line, and that's kind of the classic appearance of a pseudothrombus. We worry about left atrial thrombi. Now, what happens is, is on Imaging, some patients, it takes a while to fill the left atrial appendage. Some sites, what they'll do is, if you're worrying about that, go back 90 seconds later. Our experience is when it's a flat line like this, it's always a pseudoclot. But again, it's easy enough to get a few additional images to get around the problem. Here's another example, beautiful pseudoclot, right? There's, you know, large atrial appendage. Those are the ones that offer a problem filling early patient has poor cardiac output as well, but it's a flat line. It's not gonna be a clot. It's a clot, of flat lines, a pseudothrombi. And you can see it here very nicely as you look at the volume rendered view front to back. When you have a thrombus in the atrial appendage, here's how it would look. It's a filling defect and this contrast surrounding it. A very classic appearance of a thrombus. And this patient also had infarcts due to thrombi in the patient's uh, left kidney. Or in this case, look at the size of this patient's atrial thrombus, as well as the pulmonary emboli. That's not going to be confused. It's not a flat line with uh, non-opacification. Good article by her talking about the use of CT and its accuracy for looking at the atrial appendage. High sensitivity, high specificity. And making the point that two-phase cardiac CT can be used to differentiate thrombus from stasis, which can cause a pseudo-filling defect on early-phase CT exams. Indeed, that's true. And the key for their protocol was getting a second scan. Nothing very tricky. Now, you hate to scan the patient twice, so typically it's not an issue. If it looks funny to you, just go back quickly and get a second run. Okay. Another case, 40-year-old male, chest pain, shortness of breath. This was a triple rule-out study. What's the best diagnosis? As I mentioned, we always need to look at the coronary arteries in all coronary studies, and surely a triple rule-out is rule-out PE, rule-out dissection, rule-out coronary artery disease. But here's the fourth thing. Of course, there's a fourth thing We'll anything in the lungs, but here's something that's not in those three. Look at the patient's left atrium. We'll look a bit closer. You see this filling defect, nicely shown, and you're dealing with either a tumor or a thrombus. Uh, when you think about that diagnosis, you know, you think about the left atrium, that's the most common area for an atrial myxoma. So when I ask you the question, what's the best diagnosis? Yes, you can get METS, but this is most likely going to be an atrial myxoma. Some facts, most common benign tumor of the heart, accounts of 50% of benign cardiac tumors, mean age 50, a range of clinical presentations, the vast majority attached to the fossa ovalis of the intra septum, 75% are in the left atrium, 25% are in the right atrium. A good article by Linda Chu, Pam Johnson, although cardiac masses are rare, patients with cardiac masses may present with acute symptoms and be encountered by the emergency radiologist. So it's important to understand them. Primary cardiac neoplasms, it is a small percent. And if you have a neoplasm, it's most commonly metastatic. Primary tumors are rare, but they do occur. They can be benign. Papillary fibroblastoma is one we see on the aortic valve but they can be benign and they can be malignant. Lymphoma you think about, metastasis, sarcoma and the like. In this case, there is a filling defect, but it's classic appearance is a myxoma. And here's just another example of myxomas which may calcify as this uh, case indeed has. Very good. Um, Some summary statements, article by Becker a couple years back, Due to advances of multi-detector CT, coronary CTA provides a rapid uh, technique for evaluating to rule in or rule out the presence of disease. The triple rule out is something that's being added on top of the coronary arteries. The question, is it the right thing to do? Um, Some articles like by Grodner make the point that yes, triple rule outs are good. And some people by Aiham write the articles and say triple rule outs are not good, you shouldn't do them. So it's something to consider and I just mentioned that in ending because in a triple rule out you have to get a great coronary study. So don't do a study which compromises the coronary arteries. Now we'll talk about triple rule out in one of our future lectures over the next month or so. So concluding then evaluation of the coronary arteries extends far beyond looking for stenosis. Analysis of the coronary arteries requires an understanding of the full extent of pathologies that arise in the coronary arteries and involve the coronaries. And you need to think about it. Uh, Analysis of the coronary arteries requires an understanding of all of the pathologies. So indeed, it's very important for us to really take a good look at that. I think it's very exciting. And it's something that I think is one of the big growth areas in radiology. And with that, I thank you for your attention. All three times. Thanks a lot.